A couple of weeks ago, I had the honor and privilege of officiating a memorial service for a 90-year-old man. And uh, it was a, a very simple, quiet, small gathering, family only. Uh, it was just a, kind of a, a small ordeal. It was a beautiful day full of sunshine until I got out of the truck when I arrived at the cemetery. It was beautiful and full of sunshine until I get to the cemetery. The wind whips up. It's cold and the wind is blowing strong. Aside from the sound of the wind, I could hear just the scarce sounds of the cemetery. The sounds that you hear at every cemetery. The sound of tractor engines and bugs hushed conversations, and of course, weeping. And uh, there at the, the service, it was emotional. Lots of tears, but also laughter and lots of hugs. And then there was one point during the, the service where they lowered the casket down into the earth and each member of the family took an ivory-colored rose and they stood at the edge of the rectangular tear in the earth and staring down at the casket now lowered some six feet below they let go the rose and then after the family packed up and left after the men in suits and the men in hard hats went back to their offices went back to their tractors I did what I usually do when I officiate a, a service like this I go and I take a walk around. I go and visit some old friends, at least their graves there. And uh, as I got back into the truck and drove that 10 mile per hour maze to the exit of the cemetery, I'm always enlightened by that perspective, that fresh new perspective that you are alive. That you are alive here in this place of death. In this sobering experience, you are alive and among the living. So live. But I wonder, am I? I think back to the moment when each family member took an ivory rose and stood above looking down, but, but now I picture myself standing there, my toes on the edge of the rectangular tear in the earth, and I, I look down to see the casket some six feet below containing the corpse of my old sinful self. And I wonder, am I living Am I alive? Am I dead to sin and alive to God? Or am I dead to God and alive to sin? Tonight as we continue our study of Paul's letter to the church at Rome, it's a question that we all must face. We come to a passage tonight where Paul reminds his readers that because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you are alive and among the living, so live. There's no need to live in the old pattern of the old ways, which isn't really living, is it? There's no need to crawl down some six feet below to cling to the corpse 
of our old sinful selves, you are alive and among the living, so live. But am I? That's what we're going to explore tonight. And it's a question that each of us individually have to face. So if you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to read from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We stand here because the Word of God is powerful and life-changing, transforming. This is what it's all about. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that, when, that we, when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So God, I pray that as Jeffrey O'Dell Bonesaw Barnett prayed earlier, that we would leave this place lighter. Maybe without that corpse, that old sinful self, that it would be abandoned. Teach us tonight, Lord, how to be dead to sin and alive to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So last week, Dustin, the guy who was up here doing communion tonight, he closed out chapter 5 by talking about sin, all the, the wrongdoing that we're all guilty of, how where there is sin, there is the grace of God, which means we get what we don't deserve. We deserve death. But instead, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, instead we get the newness of freedom and change. And now, since we have grace, and since grace abounds where there is sin, verse 1 says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Should we just keep on sinning it up because after all, we've got grace? Is grace a license to sin. Hell no. Like quite literally, that's actually the force of the Greek words that Paul is responding with in verse 2 to the question of verse 1. You won't see that in English translations because we're too kind and, and clinical with how we, we chant. We, I'm not one of the guys who's translating this, but, but it's a more politically correct not to say hell no, but that's the force of this. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Hell no. Me genoito says the Greek, or as the NLT puts it, Of course not, in verse 2. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Well, you can't. You can't, honestly, or comfortably. No, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? You can't, but I wonder, am I? I was doing some research the other day, and it's always awkward to do research like this at a uh, public place like Starbucks. Just a simple Google search that, you know, something very simple like a story about someone living with a corpse. 
You know, I'm always like worried that someone's looking over my shoulder like, what are you typing or what are you researching? But I know that, you know, stories like this have happened before, but, but I want to know like the details so I can share it, you know, in this, in this message here. But I want the specifics, that is, until I get the search results. The search results are creepy and disgusting, each with the the basic gist of somebody dies and then the roommate or the spouse or the caretaker doesn't report it, and instead they just continue to collect the the pension or social security check. That's illegal, by the way, so don't get any ideas. Uh, And then they just, you know, all the while the dead body just deteriorates and decomposes there on the couch or in the closet or a spare bedroom. Creepy and disgusting, right? Right? Okay. I didn't know if I was like alone in this, but it's creepy and disgusting, but the stories actually go light years beyond. Like there's one where this lady had her siblings, uh, her sister from 1970, Not living, but uh, yeah, in the house, covered with a blanket, and her brother from 2003, and her other sister from 2008. And that's a tame story. You can Google the rest of that nasty stuff for yourselves, but it's creepy and disgusting, right? But, but it's actually not that different. And don't get offended, but it's actually not that different from what we do with the corpse of our old sinful selves. It's actually not that different from living in the old pattern of the old ways. It's actually not that different from crawling down some six feet below to cling to the corpse of our old sinful selves. What causes us to do this? What prevents us from leaving the old sinful self behind? What have we forgotten? Verse 3 and 4a says, Or have you forgotten? That, That assumes that you probably shouldn't have forgotten this, but... Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And through this action, we symbolically experience and join Jesus in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Now, we don't go under the water during baptism and just stay there. Sometimes, a little secret that I'll tell you, uh, Jeff and I and Dustin, some of the pastors who are doing baptisms, it only happened pretty much one time we were messing with some dude, and we just kind of like held him under a little bit longer, uh, just to see if he was really, you know, into this whole conversion thing. But anyways, don't, don't worry about that. <clears throat> it won't happen again, I guess. I promise it won't happen again. But anyways, we go under the water and we are submerged, but then we come out bursting forth into new glorious life. You're just shaking your head at me. That's okay. (laughs) But in this event of baptism, we identify with Jesus. We cast off the old pattern of the old ways. We cut ourselves off from the corpse of our old sinful selves. It's submerged to the depths as we rise in the newness of freedom 
and change. Verse 4b says, And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. May is interesting, though. Now we also may live new lives. It's an interesting condition. We may. It's like the opportunity is placed into our hands. We certainly should, but do we? Do we live new lives? Do we live changed lives? The old pattern of the old ways, it's buried. The corpse of our old sinful selves remains lifeless six feet under. Am I alive? I hope so. I'm alive and I'm among the living, so I live. I'm living, but am I? Like, really, am I? Or do I prop up the old pattern of the old ways, cozy there on the couch, steaming in the shower, kicking back on the bed? Do I crawl down some six feet below to cling to the corpse of my old sinful self? Well, I shouldn't. That's creepy and disgusting. Verse 4 says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Let's do some table talk tonight. We're going to spend an extended time in table talk. We're going to explore two questions right now and then uh, another one just right after that. But the first question, I'll give you about five minutes. And these actually come straight from the text that we just read. First question, should we keep on sinning so that God should, could show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Why or why not? And then secondly, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And what's the attraction to do so? So go ahead with these first questions, and then I'll bring us back in a couple of minutes for the next. Go ahead. All right, let's go ahead and finish the thought, and we're going to bring it back together. <clears throat> we'll continue now with verse 5 of chapter 6. It reads, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. That's the newness of life. And not only that, that's resurrection. Here in this newness of life, it's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's no longer I who live in the old pattern of the old ways. It's no longer I who live clinging to the corpse of my old sinful self. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's the hope, at least. That's the process, because it's resurrection power. It's resurrection power bringing the newness of freedom and change. Verse 6 says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ, so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. The old pattern of the old ways and the corpse of my old sinful self, it's dead. It's dead by means of crucifixion. It's lost its power 
over me. I am no longer enslaved to sin. Now, although we still sin, our lives, they aren't consistently characterized by sin. At least that's the hope. We saw Jeff bring out all the luggage, all the baggage from the past of his sin. And it was interesting how it got less and less. But uh, hopefully it doesn't get more and more as the years increase. Some years might be worse, you know. Some years, if we're honest, like, man, I screwed up 2019. And I just found out something interesting. At at the turn of 2019, 2020, I really began to find out how much everyone hated 2019. And maybe that's just the, you know, the change coming into 2020. It's going to be so much better. We're still in January, so we're still happy about that. I don't know if Barnett was prophesying, saying that we're going to leave here like 20 pounds, 50 pounds lighter. But that's a, that's a great hope. I think that was spiritual, not physical, but whatever. We can all hope and pray, right? But anyways, that, that means that there should be a huge difference between us as the years go by, as the days go by. Our lives should not be consistently characterized by increasing sin. There should be a huge contrast then between Christians and non-Christians because our lives should be characterized by the newness of freedom and change. I'm I'm not trying to say that like we should be better than non-Christians, but we should have a new freedom and change upon our lives. And it's true, though, we've got a long way to go. At least I do, uh, because unfortunately, some Christians can be jerks. I know I can. Uh, A few weeks back, I don't know what was going on, but I, I just, I kept forgetting things. Just simple things. And I would go and do something and then I would just forget what happened. I think I just had too much going on. But usually I have a pretty good memory. Well, one day we're at home and Tara, my wife, asks if I can go grab her hair straightener. I know what a hair straightener is. And so I go and I grab it and I, I'm bringing it and I put it somewhere and another task interrupts. About a minute later, she asks me, oh, hey, where, where's the hair straightener? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like searching the whole house, trying to find out where I put it. And she's concerned. She's like, well, is everything okay? Like, what's going on? You seem to be forgetting a lot of stuff recently. She was like, I was talking with my friend, Steph, who's Dustin's wife. Uh, Maybe it's like some vitamin deficiency, and I'm just getting like. (laughs) And so me, uh, you know, I'm so eloquent, such a wordsmith. I I put this eloquent wordsmith of a a phrase together. I say, I I quote, well, you asked me to do a lot of things. (laughs) It's hard to remember. Perfect word choice for your pregnant wife. It's like, oh, Jeremy, do you want to pull out the list? Should we pull out the list? The other, the other day, it was like a stab to the heart. I was trying, Zeke had a dirty diaper, and I was just kind of like, oh, go, go to the one you want to change your diaper. Go, go to the adult that you want to change your diaper. And she's like, how many diapers have you changed today? I'm like, uh. <laughs> 
I'll just go change them real quick. I'm like, I didn't know we were counting, you know. Paul tells us not to count up wrongs against, but... So needless to say, I've got a long way to go. A long way to go. But the newness of freedom and change, that's the hope. That's the process. And it's brought about by resurrection power. Verse 7 says, For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So we don't need to be jerks. We need to be grateful and loving and unburdened by the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him here and now and in the future. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Yeah, amen. Uh, Scared me a little bit there. But uh, death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. That's pretty good stuff. So let's talk about it some more. Table talk. Are you, I know this gets personal, but are you dead to sin and alive to God? Or are you dead to God and alive to sin? How are you living in the newness of freedom and change? Where do you need newness? Where do you need freedom? Where do you need change? And how can this be possible? Go. <laughs> Who wants to go first? <laughs> Okay, let's go ahead and uh, finish up the thought, and we'll move on here. So next up, Paul gives us in the text two don'ts and one do. Verse 12 says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Easier said than done, right? Because we live in a sin-saturated Society where temptation is ever present. It stands upon the graves of our old sinful selves, chanting for their resurrection. And we could burst our lungs and tear our vocal cords, trying to scream and shout at this sin-saturated society to stop sinning, stop the sin. But if the newness of freedom and change hasn't stopped the sin in our own lives, if it hasn't brought the freedom and change to our own lives, why would society want anything we have to offer? If you're here tonight, though, you're probably like me. You want the newness of freedom and change to bring precisely that, newness and freedom and change. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Well, how do I do that? Just stop. Stop trying not to sin. That's, that's maybe backwards, right? But, but how about this? Stop trying not to sin. Just start living for Jesus. Just start living for Jesus. It, Jita, I don't know who that is. <laughs> Just start trying to live for Jesus in the newness of freedom and change. Let your love for Jesus control the way that you live. 
Like, oh, is this loving Jesus? Is this loving him or, or not? Uh, that's pretty, pretty black and white when we think about it. Is this TV show loving Jesus? Is this place I'm going to go loving Jesus? Are these words I'm about to say loving Jesus? Let your love for Jesus control the way you live, but also let your love for Jesus consume your desires. Because when, when you and I learn to love God, God more completely, more entirely, we begin to see the fading allure of the old pattern of the old ways. We we begin to see the corpses of our old sinful selves now buried. The men in hard hats return to the the tractors, adding a, a noise to the scarce sound of the cemetery, a new noise, the pelt of dirt pouring back into the earth. We are not dead. We are alive and among the living. So live. But that old sinful self is buried below. Verses 13 through 14. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. I remember uh, years ago when I heard Kim first speak. First of all, I'm like, man, she is loud. And secondly, I thought, man, she is good. And her heart was just on fire. It still is on fire, of course. But but she talked at this first time I heard her about offering ourselves completely to God, every cell and fiber of our being to God. And I remember she went through this prayer that hit like all the major body parts, dedicating them as well, instruments to do what is right for the glory of God. So I want to invite you into to praying that tonight as we close. So God, we come before you and we want to offer ourselves completely to you. From our head to our toes. Every cell and fiber of our being, we want to offer to you, God. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for my mind. I pray for wisdom open my mind to instruction that I might gain more wisdom. Teach me what it means to fear you, for that is the beginning of wisdom. Give me more knowledge of you. God, I give you my eyes. May they see your wonders, and may they focus upon your goodness. Please guard me from being wise in my own eyes. May I see wisdom, strength, and understanding in you alone, not in my own capabilities. I pray to see your holiness and resist evil. Lord, make my ears attentive to wisdom. Deafen my ears to the call of sin. Teach me to recognize and hear your voice even when it's still and small. God, I pray that my mouth would speak wholesome words to benefit others. May my speech be appropriate and respectful. 
May my mouth encourage those who are disheartened and bring faith to those who have none. I also ask for the ability to hold my tongue. Keep me from wicked words. Make my tongue like choice silver. Father, I I pray that my shoulders bear the burdens of others, but that I learn to cast my cares on you, knowing that you will sustain me. God, bind your faithfulness and love around my neck that I would be weighed down and constantly reminded of the power of your faithfulness, the immensity of your love. Lord, I pray for the ability to watch over my heart with all diligence. Keep my heart pure. Keep me from being bitter because of trials. May my heart be steadfastly set on loving you more than anything or anyone else. Father, I pray that I would have clean hands and a pure heart. I pray that my hands would be instruments of your goodness to build and support. God, I pray that my private parts be used for your glory. And yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Lord, I pray that my knees bow down before you. I want to love and fear you, honoring you as the Lord of my life. On my knees, I acknowledge you as my maker, and I realize that your love will never fail. And Father, help me to walk in your path. Would my feet be beautiful, bringing good news and peace? May I delight in your commandments and follow you all the days of my life. For God, I am dead to sin and alive to you. So Lord, receive us wholly and completely to be instruments that bring you goodness and glory. We are alive to you, God, and dead to sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.